My name is Derek Bros. For the last 10 years, I've worked as an investigative journalist, hosting a radio show, writing books, and producing numerous documentaries about the realities of child trafficking, the dangers of technology, and indigenous struggles. Now, I aim to uncover whether there exists a network of individuals and institutions which ties these issues together. Many researchers posit the existence of an international cartel which covertly manipulates world events for their own benefit. Are these claims simply fantasy and paranoid delusion, or is there truly an agenda to subvert humanity to the demands of the pyramid of power? Chapter 7. Big Pharma and the Medical Cartel One of the most vital components of this pyramid deals with our health and the institutions who decide what constitutes healthy and what constitutes safe. As with the other pieces of the pyramid, many people around the world believe the modern medical and health organizations are largely corrupted and under the spell of what is commonly known as Big Pharma. So what exactly is Big Pharma? Generally speaking, Big Pharma is shorthand for describing the network of major multinational pharmaceutical corporations. There are a wide range of beliefs about Big Pharma, but most of them center around the idea that the pharmaceutical companies and some doctors and scientists in the medical field cooperate in ways that benefit their bank account rather than the health of their patients. This so-called Big Pharma conspiracy theory has been described as a group of conspiracy theories claiming the medical community and pharmaceutical companies in particular, especially large corporations, operate for sinister purposes and against the public good. This includes potentially concealing effective alternative treatments and lying about the harm of certain chemicals. Some people also believe Big Pharma may cause and worsen some diseases. In a 2013 paper, Robert Blaskowitz, assistant professor at the University of Wisconsin, wrote that the Big Pharma conspiracy theory has four classic traits. One, he says believers of this theory assume there is a small malevolent cabal behind it all, Two, they believe the public at large is ignorant of the truth. Three, believers treat lack of evidence as evidence. Four, he says the arguments deployed in support of the theory are irrational, misconceived, or mistaken. So what's the truth? Is Professor Blaskowitz correct when he says there is no evidence to support this baseless conspiracy? Or are there facts to back up these claims? The Transformation of Modern Medicine the modern medical industry is characterized by what is sometimes known as allopathic medicine, western medicine, or evidence-based medicine. This type of treatment tends to focus on treating symptoms and reducing pain. The beginning of this modern era of medicine can be traced back to the founding of the American Medical Association in 1847 and universities like Johns Hopkins University in 1876. With the birth of these organizations, we start to see an increasingly centralized medical care system across the United States and Europe. Opponents of Big Pharma tend to point to this centralization and the creation of new organizations like the AMA as the point where medicine shifted from traditional medicines such as herbal medicine, homeopathy, Ayurveda, and other indigenous medicines towards a system focused on pharmaceuticals and vaccines. The critics of Big Pharma point to the involvement of the Rockefeller family as evidence of a concerted effort to monopolize the medical industry and regulation of what medicines are accepted as safe and effective. In the early 1900s, there were hundreds of doctors operating independently across America. These doctors often offered a variety of healing modalities, including chiropractic, naturopathy, 
homeopathy, holistic medicine, and herbal medicine. It is around this time that the Rockefeller family began influencing the medical industry. As noted in chapter one of this series, in 1902, Rockefeller Sr. founded the General Education Board with the stated objective to support higher education and medical schools in the United States. Just as Rockefeller and his network of philanthropic organizations sought to influence and shape the direction of public education, so too did he seek to influence the medical schools across the country. While the Rockefeller family used the General Education Board to manipulate America's education system, they also created the International Education Board to invest their money into national and international universities and medical schools which focused on drug-based research. While the Rockefellers played a large role influencing the medical schools and universities, it was the assistance of the Carnegie family that helped transform the industry via their funding, the infamous Flexner Report. In 1905, steel billionaire Andrew Carnegie founded the Carnegie Foundation for the Advancement of Teaching, or simply, the Carnegie Foundation. The foundation was granted an official charter by the U.S. Congress in 1906, just as was done with Rockefeller's General Education Board. By 1910, the Carnegie Foundation provided funding for Abraham Flexner to conduct an investigation into the medical doctors and practitioners around the United States. This report is typically seen as a landmark in modern medicine. Much of the mainstream medical world regards it as the point when medicine shifted from an industry based on superstition and quackery to a purely scientific, evidence-based tradition. Abraham Flexner was given the resources to investigate the quality of medical education in all 161 medical schools that existed in 1910. Flexner concluded that there were too many medical schools operating at the time and that efforts should be made to shut down schools and doctors who did not practice what the Carnegie-funded and Rockefeller-supported report deemed as evidence-based medicine. Flexner believed that the majority of those practicing medicine in the United States were what is commonly referred to as snake oil salesmen. Flexner's report called on American medical schools to have higher admission and graduation standards as well. The report also called for the standardization of medical education, with only the AMA allowed to grant medical school licensure in the United States. Flexner's recommendations ensured that by 1919, the amount of medical schools went from 161 to 81. Flexner's report also set the stage for the demonization of vitamins for treating various health issues. Although the first vitamins had only recently been discovered at the time of Flexner's study, his attacks on what he deemed quackery also set the stage for downplaying the benefits of vitamins. Despite the widely known benefits of vitamins and essential nutrients, Flexner's report was the beginning of the attempted discrediting of these remedies that continues today. After Flexner finished his report in the United States, he went to Europe to conduct a similar study which reportedly became nearly as well known as his report in the United States. Flexner would develop a close relationship with the Rockefellers as well. In 1912, after his successful report for the Carnegie Foundation, Flexner joined the Rockefellers General Education Board, where he was quickly promoted to secretary of the board. In 1913, when John D. Rockefeller Sr. established the Rockefeller Foundation in New York City, Flexner helped merge the General Education Board with the new organization. The General Education Board Program of Medical Education existed from 1913 to 1929 and distributed $94 million to 25 medical schools. The Rockefellers were not content to influence the medical industry in the United States and Europe. They also took their philosophies and dollars to China. In 1914, Rockefeller put up money to establish the China Medical Board, an American organization whose mission statement was to advance health in China and neighboring Asian countries by funding medical, nursing, and public health research and education. The Rockefellers incorporated the China Medical Board in New York and launched the Peking Union Medical College in Beijing from 1914 through 1950. 
The CMB also worked in Japan, Korea, Hong Kong, Philippines, Thailand, Indonesia, Malaysia, Singapore, and Taiwan. Altogether, the Rockefeller-funded China Medical Board invested hundreds of millions of dollars in grants and technical support to medical universities across Far East and Southeast Asia with the goal of bringing the Rockefeller-Carnegie-funded Western allopathic medicine to the world. One of the men who was also funded by Rockefeller was Dr. William Henry Welch, one of the founding professors of Johns Hopkins University. From 1901 to 1933, he worked closely with the Rockefellers as the founding president of the Board of Scientific Directors at the Rockefeller Institute for Medical Research. During this time, he was an advisor to John D. Rockefeller and a chief advisor to the U.S. Army's medical department. With the backing of the Rockefellers, he was able to rise to the top of a number of influential organizations and direct the transformation of medical education in the United States. Welch was president of the National Academy of Sciences, the American Medical Association, the Association of American Physicians, the History of Science Society, the Congress of American Physicians and Surgeons, the Society of American Bacteriologists, and the Maryland State Board of Health. It was with Welch's help that Rockefeller was able to bring to life Peking Union Medical College in Beijing. Welch hoped the college would become the, quote, Johns Hopkins in China. It's important to acknowledge that the Rockefeller-guided transformation of the medical and health industry was also an act of displacement and colonization. From the outset, their goal was to replace traditional indigenous medicine and traditions. Prior to the Flexner Report and the Rockefeller investments, individuals were free to decide how they want to medicate themselves and their families. This included a wide variety of medicines and rituals practiced by indigenous cultures around the world. Obviously, not every traditional or natural medicine will deliver the promised results, and there are lying, greedy characters peddling snake oil. However, while modern medicine and science has shaped our world in invaluable ways, we still have so much to learn and understand from the original peoples of this planet. Unfortunately, the vision for medical education and science described in the Flexner Report and fleshed out with the funding of the Rockefellers resulted in doctors being taught to focus on disease and not on a system of preventative health care, a system which could utilize indigenous and Western medicine. The Origins of Big Pharma, The Lies of the AMA Now that the medical industry had been cornered by the Rockefellers and a monopoly on licensing had been established, they began to use their resources to promote the need for pharmaceutical drugs to solve the world's health issues. To do this, the Rockefellers used their resources gained from their oil monopoly to form an alliance with German chemical company IG Farben. In the years leading to World War II, the Rockefeller-controlled Standard Oil of New Jersey, which later became Exxon, purchased a controlling interest in IG Farben. The two companies struck up agreements that would benefit both of their bank accounts. A 1942 article written by journalist Michael Strait for The New Republic states that, quote, with the Standard Oil Company, the marriage, as IG Farben called it, took place in 1929. The dowry which IG bestowed upon its bride was the control in clear world markets of IG's patents covering oil and synthetic gasoline. In return, the bridegroom received full powers over the production, even within the United States, of the chemical children of the Union, including synthetic rubber. The article describes how the Rockefeller's Standard Oil was perfectly aware that IG Farben was reported to have been in the control of the Gestapo as far back as 1934. The Rockefeller's IG Farben plants were instrumental in supporting the Nazis during World War II by supplying the tools needed to develop weapons of war, including the Zyklon B gas used in concentration camps. 
There are also researchers who believe the Rockefellers not only embraced the financial benefits of a relationship with Hitler's regime, but that they also supported the eugenic philosophy. We will explore that claim in upcoming chapters of this series. The Rockefellers' Farben factories also helped Rockefeller take the petrochemicals from the spoils of the oil industry and use them to begin the mass manufacturing of pharmaceutical drugs, the same drugs that would be increasingly promoted and prescribed by the doctors graduating from medical schools, also funded by Rockefeller. Through their organizations, the Rockefeller Foundation, the General Education Board, the Rockefeller Institute for Medical Research, and funding of institutions like Johns Hopkins University and the American Medical Association, the Rockefellers were able to completely influence and control the direction of medical schools and the industry of the 20th and 21st century. In the 1994 book, The Assaults on Medical Freedom, author and private investigator P. Joseph Lisa claimed to have gained access to secret files in the American Medical Association's Chicago Department of Investigation. Mr. Lisa says he was hired by a private client to investigate the AMA under the guise of collecting information to expose mental health quackery. In the process, he uncovered hundreds of AMA photocopies of memos, minutes, and other documents. Lisa said he was able to make copies of the original documents and did so without breaking the law. Over the next decade, Lisa says he investigated the documents and found little evidence of quackery and much evidence of an organized propaganda campaign to discredit alternative medicine and foreign drugs. According to Lisa, quackery was, quote, a label that orthodox medicine attached to anything they wanted to discredit in the public's eye. Quacks are practitioners of, quote, a brand of medicine that does not espouse the use of surgery, drugs, or radiation therapy, and who do not come under the control of organized medicine or organized science. Lisa did not believe that quacks didn't exist, but that the medical establishment was using the worst bunch as an excuse to stigmatize alternative medicine and eliminate competitors to the pharmaceutical industry. Lisa wrote in his book that what is happening in the United States is, quote, nothing less than an enforced totalitarian medical pharmaceutical police state, a type of medical McCarthyism. The history of the Rockefeller-funded medical organizations, particularly the American Medical Association, does indicate a support of treatments which are often of questionable value and deplatforming of critics who oppose the medical narratives being spun by Big Pharma and the medical cartel. The AMA has a widely known history of endorsing the use of cigarettes and nicotine as safe and beneficial. The AMA doctors at one point had their own tobacco lounge during their conventions where big tobacco executives could provide them an endless supply of cigarettes. The AMA was one of the last medical organizations to acknowledge the harmful effects of nicotine. Additionally, the AMA and other medical organizations practicing modern, so-called evidence-based medicine have also been proponents of water fluoridation, a practice which was normalized in the United States in the 1940s, but one which immediately faced opposition. Although the practice was supported by the American Medical Association, the American Dental Association, and the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, there are many, many studies indicating health problems associated with the practice, including lower IQ in children, thyroid disease, bone fractures, and gastrointestinal effects. In fact, in 2020, a lawsuit brought by the Fluoride Action Network against the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency presented evidence of fluoride's harm in a federal court for the first time since water fluoridation began. If the plaintiffs win the lawsuit, it could spell the end of water fluoridation after more than 70 years. The point is, these institutions have a history of misleading the public. We should not ignore these lessons. The Modern Medical Cartel When we take a deeper look at the history of modern medicine and the corrupting influence of Big Pharma, we clearly see the same trends we see with the education system, the media, and Big Wireless. 
The agencies created to regulate or protect the people from these different industries have been captured by the organizations and corporations they claim to regulate. When it comes to the medical field, we can clearly see that the Rockefeller organizations and the Carnegie Foundation played a direct role in pushing medicine away from traditional indigenous medicines towards a system focused on treating symptoms of disease rather than the root causes. There's also a heavy emphasis on promoting drugs and vaccines. The massive increase in the use of pharmaceutical drugs and vaccines have enriched the world's big pharma conglomerates while also increasing the public's dependency on these substances. Not only has this disrupted the mental health of millions of people around the world, but it has sparked addictions to the pharma drugs themselves. Dr. Peter Bregan is a psychiatrist who has been vocally opposing what he sees as the overmedication of children and society in general. Bregan is the author of many books critical of psychiatric medication, including Toxic Psychiatry, where he is critical of the adverse effects of drugs and medicating children. He has also testified before Congress and federal agencies, including the FDA, and has been an expert on psychiatric drug adverse effects. We've been hearing testimony all morning from Dr. Peter Bregan, an expert witness and psychiatrist hired by the defense to talk about the effects of antidepressants on the brain. He has so far this morning given a detailed lesson about the human brain and how antidepressants, known as SSRIs, affect the brain. He talked about the drug Selexa, which is not recommended to be prescribed to children. And we know from prior court proceedings that both Conrad Roy and Michelle Carter were on Selexa as teens. Roy was 18 when he took his own life back in 2014. Now, the prosecution says Carter is responsible for his death and therefore guilty of manslaughter. But the defense has said Roy was already suicidal and would have done so no matter what. So this is part of their argument. And here's what Dr. Bregan said about the black box warning on that drug, Selexa. Black box warning specifically says that there's an increased risk of suicide in people age 24 and younger. Um, it describes the studies from which this was determined, and it has a section in it um, in which it talks about the importance of monitoring people for these adverse effects. Dr. Bregan is also one of many doctors and health professionals who have been critical of the fight against COVID-19. These critics believe the focus on vaccines and the censoring of alternative treatments for respiratory illnesses is causing more harm than good. These critics are right to question the response to COVID, but as we have shown with the origins of the modern medical industry, we also have many of the same conflicts of interest in relation to the international response to COVID-19. The Rockefeller Foundation is still funding and guiding much of public health policy, but now they are joined by Bill Gates and the Gates Foundation. Gates has spent the last two decades mimicking the practices of the Rockefellers and ingratiating himself into nearly every aspect of global health. He is the number one non-state funder of the World Health Organization, a huge contributor to Johns Hopkins, the Wellcome Trust, and many other powerful health and medical organizations. Gates has continued the focus on treating symptoms of diseases and promoting vaccines. Together, the Gates and Rockefeller families and their partners in pharmaceutical firms are using the COVID-19 crisis as an opportunity to cement themselves as the de facto leaders and policymakers despite not being employed by the governments who follow their dictates. If these unelected billionaires continue to guide global health policy, they will not only gain more unimaginable wealth, but they will push the world further towards policies which do not empower the people, but rather enrich their corporate friends. As of 2021, more and more people around the world are questioning the true intentions of folks like Gates, 
with countries around the world protesting against lockdowns, mask and vaccine mandates, which they believe violate the right to self-medicate, as well as the principle of bodily autonomy. Unfortunately, this is the world that was born out of the takeover of the health industry and the co-opting of the medical schools and organizations. Solutions We now have a better understanding of how we arrived at this present moment, a place where vitamins are seen as useless and addictive and destructive drugs are seen as normal. This is the world dreamed up by the Rockefellers, but it doesn't have to be a nightmare that we silently accept and condone. Rather, we have the opportunity to push back assert our right to medicate ourselves in ways we see fit, and deprive the multinational corporations of profits made from our bodies and minds. How exactly do we do this? The first step is to question authority. We ought not to blindly follow the edicts of the CDC, the FDA, the NHS, or any other governmental health agency or individual. We should always question and probe the answers handed down to us from men and women in lab coats with degrees and letters next to their name. Does this mean that we should never trust the so-called medical and health authorities? That's a decision best left to each individual. But at the least, we need a society that doesn't hang on every word of government officials or corporate representatives without first doing their own research. The fact is that we cannot simply trust the words of the government or their corporate friends who stand to benefit from our ignorance. This means we can check the official government sources, compare that data to the information from critics of the government, reference studies and the sources of the funding of those studies, and finally, come to our own conclusions. Sometimes these conclusions might align with what the official health bodies are saying. Other times, your conclusions might directly conflict with these institutions. At the end of the day, you are the one best suited to make up your own mind about how to handle your health and what to put in your body. If your research finds values in vitamins, a whole foods balanced diet, and daily exercise, then pursue it with passion. Ultimately, you are the one in control of your health. The more informed you are, the more empowered you are. The key to mental and physical health is breaking free from the chains of Big Pharma and the medical cartel, taking your health back into your hands and unplugging from dependency on these systems. To dive deeper into this field of research, we recommend the following books. Toxic Psychiatry by Dr. Peter Bregan, The Betrayal of Health by Joseph Beasley, Confessions of a Medical Heretic by Dr. Robert S. Mendelssohn, Racketeering in Medicine by Dr. James Puckett, and Medical Nemesis by Ivan Illich. <laughs>